You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's exclusive coverage of the Cardinal Health Retail Business Conference and Exhibition 2017 in San Antonio, Texas. RBC is more than a pharmacy business conference. This dynamic interactive gathering of over 6,500 pharmacy professionals is a celebration of the history and value of independent community pharmacy and provides numerous opportunities for pharmacy owners to learn how to expand their business and be more profitable. And now, here are your hosts of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Dr. Aaron Albert and Todd Yuri. As part of the Cardinal Health RBC San Antonio event in 2017, I was a proud participant in the first annual Women in Pharmacy Leadership Forum with special guests Deanne Mullins, 2017 NCPA President and CEO Owner of Mullins Pharmacy, Teresa Toll, 2016-17 APHA Speaker of the House and Owner of Bay Street Pharmacy, Amy O'Reilly, CEO and Owner of O'Reilly Family Pharmacy, and Dr. Aaron Albert, Entrepreneur, CEO of Farm LLC, and co-host of the Pharmacy Podcast, we bring you the first annual Women in Pharmacy Leadership Forum. Wow. What an honor to be here. Welcome to San Antonio, Texas. This is the RBC 2017 Women in Pharmacy. And I'm going to start off. I'm not intimidated, by the way. There's a room full of women. I am father of four daughters. They're all powerful women in their own way. And uh, coincidentally, my mother was a woman. So recognized as the first female pharmacist in America, Elizabeth Greenleaf is listed among 32 apothecaries in New England during the late 1600s and early 1700s. Elizabeth was the first female independent pharmacy owner in the country, having, having a little apothecary in Boston in 1727. And as Eden had referenced, over 60% of pharmacists today in the United States are women. And there's a myriad of specialties that women are going into for the first time in pharmacy, in specialty and disease states. As a child of the 70s and 80s, I took notice of the rise of women as leaders and business owners. As a young consumer, I can remember the first TV commercial that impacted me in a positive note, but it happened to be a very terrible product, Virginia Slims. The cigarette market marketed to women only. You've come a long way, baby. Who remembers that? There you go. Dang, I'm getting old. <laughs> My grandmother was our family's matriarch, and she was the first person to really impact me from a leadership perspective. And then several people in my church organization, also women, my favorite boss happened to be a woman at Sprint Business, which was in the telecom industry. So I'm very honored to be here as the moderator of this panel. Aaron Albert has been a very special part of my life as well, not only a friend, but an advocate of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I've learned a lot from her about uh, leadership. And I was very naive to the barriers. And I just didn't know that we've really had some down to earth conversations. So 
I have questions for the panel, obviously. And my first question, which goes back to what I was just saying, and I'm going to start off with Aaron. Not that I have favorites. Aaron, when was the first time you realized you were a leader? And did it come naturally? Or was it something that you really had to work at? Good morning. Thank you for being part of this. It's so awesome to see this Wonder Woman girl power in the room. Uh, I'm excited about this. Who's seen Wonder Woman, by the way, the movie? It is awesome. Go see it. Um, we were all talking about this question, just chatting and getting to know each other this morning. And I think um, the best pictorial representation, and I'm sure a lot of the other women on the panel share this, when I was two and I have an Irish twin brother who was one, uh, my mother took a picture of me bossing my brother around <laughs> at two. So I think, um, you know, bossy is kind of a negative label, but I don't really see it that way. I kind of love bossy women because they know what they want and they go after it. So um, I think I've kind of naturally been a leader for a long period of time. Um, I think we struggle with what leadership really is because it means different things to different people. But uh, I think it was kind of something that I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to inherit uh, from my parents. Amy. I um, remember the first time that I realized my actions could influence others. I was six years old and riding the bus home from school and the bus got rear-ended. Now, as a six-year-old, that's very traumatic. Um, and all the other kids on the bus started crying. And I remember the bus driver looked at me and said, you can't cry, you have to be strong for everybody else. And that was the first time that I think I intuitively realized that you know, my presence and my actions could influence other people and could, could lead everyone else to a more positive outcome. Teresa. So I'm going to turn it a little bit different. Um, as I thought about this question, I, I presented last year to a group of pharmacy students, and I kind of talked about whether or not leaders are born or they're made. Um, and you know, we kind of went through a series of questions, and, and ultimately, I think we came to the fact that yes, um, they are born and they're made. So I, I think. What flows through many of us is the potential to be a leader, and it's whether or not we recognize that and, and become that leader. Um, I don't know that I really reflected on being a leader until I was probably out of pharmacy school and, and really started thinking about my ability to influence, although certainly I was a leader even in high school, but as far as thinking about it, um, I, I think I realized when I got out of school that I can make an impact on my community and my profession just by jumping in and being involved. And, and then it dawned on me that I could influence other people. So it, it probably took me a lot longer, but I think that all of us have that ability, but probably more of us tend towards it. I mean, some of us tend towards it more than others. Deanne. Thank you. Wow, that's, those are tough acts to follow right there. Um, so for, for me, I, I tend to think a little bit like Erin in that, you know, I was always opinionated as a young child. I was always loud. Um, I remember I always got the leading role in our plays at school. 
And after about the third leading role, my mom said, you know, to the teacher, well, you know, do you see some acting skills in, in Dee Dee? And, and they said, no, we don't have a PA system, and she's just the loudest mouth in the class. <laughs> so um, for, for leadership, though, I think um, we see a lot of social influence. You always see that tied to, to leadership. And there are many paths to being a leader and many philosophies about what leadership is. I don't think it's just social influence. The Kardashians certainly have social influence. I think you need to have coupled with that um, the goal of, of kind of maximizing um, other people around you. And so if you're a, a leader in my book, you're pulling out the best of others and you're strengthening them um, and using that influence in a positive way. And then I think goals are important as well. So a leader should have some sort of goal in mind as they use their social influence. Um, and I think that what we don't want to miss is that pharmacists every single day have the ability to be a very strong leader. We influence the patients that we take care of. We certainly can help them be their best selves and we can help them reach their goals, whatever those may be. So I think every pharmacist is a leader and it's not always world changing leadership. It's making a difference in the life of that one person that's in front of you right there. It might be as simple as a, a smile and a hug um, and, and just a show of love. Teresa Toll is special to me. She's my father's pharmacist in Sebastian, um, Florida. Yes. So we're, we're from Pittsburgh and he moved down there and he was going to a grocery store and I said, absolutely not. I'll find you an independent. I made the call myself um, and told Teresa that he was coming in and he called me about three hours later and said, she is incredible. I mean, she's so, she's a servant leader. And that, that's the way she serves her community. So, Teresa, how has your leadership style and philosophy evolved over time? Thank you, Todd. Um, it's an honor to be able to be a pharmacist to your dad and to our community. Um, I, I think that my style ha tends to be, um, very much of a consensus builder and I, I honestly I think that that's truly been my style most of the time um, in a leadership way so whether it be um, among pharmacy associations and all the, the things that I've done or if it's um, even with my own employees I mean we try I try to do a lot of decision making for the business about as far as um, you know future opportunities really try to get my team together and let them be involved in that. Um, I try to provide the vision, but then let them come. And then I also try to invite them to be the visionaries. Um, as far as leadership in the community though, um, I've been blessed and I think that as we saw on stage yesterday, so many of us, I, I mean so many of you are leaders in your community. That's what independent pharmacies do and that's what really makes us special. So I think that we do all want to serve as Deanne just said that you know it's our heart to serve in so many different areas. It probably um, makes us wear way too many hats <laughs> sometimes and a lot of people ask that question all the time, how do you do all that you do? Um, because I love what I do. I love my patients, I love my community, I love my profession, and it's worth it. Um, so that's that's the reason that I do that. Um, but anyway, I, I think truly just 
trying to create a team and have a strong team and build consensus is my style. Amy, how has your leadership style evolved over time? I think my leadership style is constantly evolving. I uh, try to read and try to be really engaged in looking at myself and analyzing how I could handle situations better or how I could make improvements. Um, currently, my goal is to be the kind of leader that people want to follow, not the kind of leader that people have to follow. But every day I try to grow a little bit more and, and make strides towards that. So I mentioned being naive about some things with regards to challenges that women face in business. It was, I just didn't realize it. This question is for Erin. Briefly share a time your leadership was challenged due to your gender, and how did you overcome that situation? That is a hard question. I think um, the tremendous opportunity, as Eden alluded to at the beginning of this talk, was the fact that the majority of pharmacists now graduating from pharmacy schools are women, and that's been occurring since about the 1980s. I'm very passionate about women being part of STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, and I, I consider healthcare part of that. So one of the things that I've personally been tracking is leadership positions within healthcare, life sciences, and pharmacy. And I literally put together a tracker of who's at the helm of healthcare and pharmacy organizations. And I joke, but it's not really a joke, that if aliens landed on this planet and only talked to our healthcare CEOs and pharmacy CEOs, they wouldn't know that women existed on the planet because so many of them are men. I would say 98% of CEOs in pharmacy and healthcare are men. And that is no you know, disrespect for the men in the room. Thank you, by the way, for being here today. Uh, I'm a big fan of man ambassadors, you know, engaging men in the conversation about gender parity. But um, it's been a passion of mine to put the moose on the table, have the difficult conversations about getting more women into leadership positions. I serve as Healthcare Business Women's Association chapter president in Indiana this year. We had a very frank conversation of a panel of all men talking about how we can get more women into leadership positions. It frankly got a little awkward at certain points in time, but I was so excited that we did it and we had that kind of opening and frank dialogue to get uh, the moose on the table and get everybody thinking about, okay, how can we really achieve gender parity over time? So. I'm going to keep pushing that envelope because I really firmly believe that women are making the majority of the healthcare decisions in this country for their families, and therefore it makes sense to have more women at the helms of these healthcare and pharmacy organizations. So I'll try to step off my soapbox there, but thank you for asking me that question. Deanne, as president of the NCPA as well as a pharmacy owner, are there challenges that are particular to women? as they set their sights on ownership or once they're business owners? So I would like to, if I could, Todd, just tack on a little bit sure. to the prior question and that'll lead me right into this yes. one because I think they're, they're somewhat related. Um, I recently have been doing some work to start those conversations. Erin, put the moose on the table. Is yeah. that right? Okay, I like that. 
We're, we're putting the moose on the table, and I serve on a board. I've been the only woman woman on the NCPA board for, for many, many years, going on like at my eighth year on the board. We now have more women on the board. I'm the third woman president in 118 years. say that because, wow, that's a long time to, to have three women. I serve with some really wonderful men who believe in me and who support me, um, and they're great colleagues, but the bias, the internal bias, the um, un unconscious bias is there. It's there, and it, and it happens, and it's real, and there have been times that it's happened to me that I didn't know it until later, and then realized, oh, that happens to other women, too. This is a common thing. Um, so I want to encourage you, there is a paper, it's a commentary, and it was published in um, the American Journal of Health System Pharmacists, ASHP put out a paper called Women in Le Leadership in the Bewildering Glass Ceiling. Um, you can Google it, and it, it's, a, it's a real good conversation starter to, to look at the facts, to look at the statistics. It was very eye-opening for me. Um, so a, a quick story, I was at a school of pharmacy, I'd done a talk a few months ago, the woman, or the dean, was a woman at the School of Pharmacy, which was, was great. And I went in to meet her staff, who were women, and um, there was a man with us that was a part of our tour group. So it was one man and two other women. And she said to the receptionist, I want you to meet the president of NCPA. And the receptionist stood up and put her hand right out to the man. <laughs> you know. And so the dean was kind of taken aback, and you know it was a little uncomfortable to be honest. And but yeah, I wasn't offended. It it just it was it was an unconscious bias, and we've all done it. So I think that having those conversations are are important. Women owners. So moving into a pharmacy, one of financing. So we're going to talk like nuts and bolts, getting uh, obtaining financing. So I would say. Try to find a pharmacy that's established and work with the current owner. Independents are out there that are ready to sell, and I think it's much easier to get into an existing pharmacy these days than to start from scratch. So I would look at that first. Um, and, and then I would say, sometimes women were our own worst enemy. We want everything to be perfect before we take something on. I am that way. So I have to tell myself, perfection is the enemy of good all the time, because I don't want to launch until it's perfect. You look at my guy counterparts, they can, they can be awful at something, and they're like, I can do it, I'm, you know, I'm the best at whatever, and you're thinking, oh dear Lord, you know, but they, God bless them, they go out there and they do it. So I would say, don't wait for everything to be perfect, don't doubt yourself, and you go out there, and if you, you have a goal and a desire, um, you know, jump on it. HR would be the other thing I would say um, that you really need to work on, are your people skills and your management skills, because they're, they're everything. Amy, what resources and tools have been most helpful to you as you navigated your career here in pharmacy? I think for me, it's been the people that I surround myself with have been the most beneficial, and especially creating yourself a good um, network of experts in their area or people that have gone before me that can kind of lead me. And sometimes that means non-pharmacy owners, but just people that I can bounce ideas off of and get good feedback. Uh, has been completely invaluable for me. What about you, Teresa? What, what have you used throughout your career from a tool perspective or network that helped you navigate your career? Um, I think to tag on to what Amy just said, um, mentors are so huge. We hear that a lot. But 
I mean, it's just so important to have people that you can trust. And, and I've been fortunate to be able to mentor other owners now, and that's, that's a blessing to me because I'm giving back to the people who helped me. Um, I was fortunate to come into a partnership that was my father-in-law and another partner. So I literally kind of grew up under tutelage of the two of them. My father-in-law left the business a little earlier because he retired, but I had a partner for um, like six years that I was able to just learn and grow under. So that was very helpful. Um, in addition to tools though, I mean, I'm so plugged into the profession. And one of the reasons that I like to be plugged in is I learn so much. Um, I go to an advisory board that I serve on where I'm supposed to be given and giving, and I'm sorry, Steve, but I go there to learn more from everybody else. <laughs> um, it's awesome to be in a room with a lot of other brilliant people who um, just are movers and shakers, and I just really enjoy that. So um, that's, I would say, I've learned a lot because of networking. Um, the other thing is, and it, this isn't a commercial for NCPA, but it is a commercial for NCPA. Um, I don't know how a pharmacy owner gets through without being a member of NCPA. Um, and nobody paid me to say this, but they, um, they have so many resources for owners that just aren't necessarily out there. They're all compiled in one place. Um, and it's just so helpful to go and learn. You can go to their boot camp. Um, and then there's just all these things in one place on their website. So I think being plugged into any kind of professional organization is a must. Um, and, and I think that they probably do it best out of everybody. Todd, can I answer that question too? Yeah. I have another one for you too. <laughs> Let's stick with that one. Okay, so how many of you have done StrengthsFinder? How many of you have done entrepreneurial StrengthsFinder? One. Awesome. How about uh, Myers-Briggs? How about the Holland Code test? Okay, so I, this is an exercise that I do with a lot of my students when I have them on rotation. I put together a battery of about 30 to 35 tests called the Know Thyself Kit. And I tell the students that they have to go away and do all these tests on themselves to figure out who they are and what's important to them. A values assessment, strengths finder, Myers-Briggs, etc. So um, I have a digital version of that kit that I'd be more than happy to share with any of you. At the end, grab me and we'll trade cards and I will get you a copy of it because you have to know yourself better than anyone else. That's your job. Nobody else is going to do that for you. And so whenever I'm making a huge decision, pivotal decision in my own career or life, I go back to my what I call my personality CD and I look at the list of all the results from all those tests to make a determination if that's gonna be a great fit for me or not. So my number one strength is futuristic. So if I'm saying yes to something, it better be future rather than history focused for me. So we talked earlier about maximizing. There's some maximizers here too that love to take something to the next level. So knowing yourself and who you are and what motivates you, what you value, is so incredibly important. And I think there's lots of tests specific for entrepreneurs as well that I have on the list that I'd be more than happy to share with you. So Aaron heads up a sector of the Pharmacy Podcast Network that's dedicated to career development. And she's encouraging pharmacists to accept change. Change is very hard. Um, 
I can speak from experience and trying to get back on an exercise schedule. So, Aaron, how do you inspire others? Because in fact, you do through your publications, through the podcast, but how do you help and inspire others to adapt and to change? And how do you motivate yourself to keep growing and evolving? I think it was Gandhi who said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I'm a firm believer in that. So I have this thing called the wall of fame at home, one of my walls in my office is full of like thank you cards and really cool sayings and right smack dab in the middle of that wall is that quote. So whenever I look at my wall, I see that, you know, be the change. And so if you see something that's missing um, for your patients, go create it if you can. If there's something missing in your community, reach out and start a movement. Um, for example, in Indianapolis, we don't have enough women talking through social media and sharing their stories. So a friend and I created a social media dames unconference. So we invite women in to learn how to use social media tools to share their stories. So we don't, I don't get paid for that. It's something that I'm passionate about though. So be the change. And it, it, it sounds kind of trite, but it's really true that if you see something missing, it's your responsibility to go out and create it or fix it or solve that issue. Amy, who or what inspires you and why? I draw my inspiration from a lot of things, but especially from the people that I meet. I'm a, I'm a people person. If you guys ever meet me, you'll know immediately. Um, and I, I find that for, for me personally, the more I can engage with the leaders that I want to emulate, the more inspiration that I draw. So coming to meetings like this is like, like cracked for me. You know, I, I'm like, oh, all these people, so fun. Um, and really getting inspired from their ideas and their thoughts and the tracks that pharmacy can go down and, and reining that back in and taking it home is how I kind of rejuvenate myself. Teresa, what about you? What, what inspires you or who inspires you and why? I think my answer is similar. Um, I am very inspired to see people who are doing the things that these two ladies just talked about and, and to want to do more. I, I think I always want to do more. I, Venus, I thought was great yesterday. How many of y'all got to hear, hear her? Yeah. Um, I loved her really simple message of never peaking. Um, you know, that just says that we need to continue to grow and learn throughout our lives and our career. And, and I think that that's great. Um, the other thing that really inspires me is the ability to make a difference um, in my community and in my patients. And um, one of the things I try to tell my employees is that it's such a blessing to be in this profession because almost everybody that we take care of, it has a story that is um, so much worse than what we're going through right then. And it's so easy to get into a position of feeling sorry for yourself or, you know, things are hard in my life, in my own life, and then you look at what's going on in there. So um, I think what inspires me is the fact that every day I get to go to work and make somebody's life better. Deanne, you have an interesting perspective based on the fact that you're been involved with NCPA for so long and in a leadership role and now president. So what's the biggest changes that you see happening in pharmacy and how have you adapted, but how are you encouraging 
our industry and our profession to adapt. Yeah, so change. Um, first, change is hard. It's usually related to fear, um, and fear is related to pain. So I think when you're looking at changing, if you can identify those pain points and, and be introspective about that, it helps you reach that place of being able to move forward um, into a new arena. Right now, change is happening at a rate of speed like we've never experienced before. And I think it's very important to understand that we're, we're entering, um, some call it the shift age, because the ground is literally gonna start shifting under your feet, where you know I think being an independent gives you a great advantage because we can pivot quickly. That's one thing that's it's really a strength of ours, but to think that we're going to practice pharmacy the same way we've been practicing pharmacy is very naive and, and might be very dangerous. We are moving into value-based care. We're moving from volume to value. I think that we will continue to dispense. I'm gonna fight hard to continue to dispense. I think it's core to what I do. It's the basis of the relationships I have with my patients, which is my superpower in a value-based system of care. But um, you know, patients are always gonna need a pharmacy where they can get a prescription, so fast, accurate, and cheap. But with value-based care being paid for outcomes, and, and with our population getting older and more chronic care, and with $3.2 trillion being spent annually, and value-based care, you put all that together, and people are gonna need a pharmacy where they need a pharmacist. Um, so they're going to be um, looking for ways to help the sickest of the sick and the most expensive patients receive quality care that decreases cost, improves outcomes, right? That's value-based care. So we need to start engineering our pharmacies and our practice to be able to accommodate that, unless you wanna play the, the volume game and you may wanna set up for volume. There will always be that mom that needs her birth control pill at eight o'clock at night through the drive-thru. You know, easy, low cost, um, convenience care marketplace. But I think most independents will be playing in that space of value-based care. So I'm re-engineering my practice. I'm a certified diabetes educator. I've had a classroom and I've taught um, nutrition and wellness and, and those types of services for over 17 years. I'm excited now to finally maybe, you know, see that that's valued in our culture and that prevention and wellness have a place. Um, but having the right software, making sure that we're syncing our patients and that we're getting efficiencies in place, we're utilizing technology and leveraging that. Those are the things you need to be thinking about in, in terms of moving forward and practicing at the top of your license. And I think those are all very exciting um, things ahead for pharmacy. Amy, what skills or attributes are essential in such a changing environment and what we're going through with this change in pharmacy? I think the willingness to try new things and, and to not be afraid to make mistakes. We're, as we're changing, we're always going to be growing and there's always going to be some setbacks, but the ability to just say, we're going to do it, we're going to try, we're going to see where it goes from here is going to be critical to making sure that you know we're successful and that our our businesses can continue so entrepreneurship put your hand up if you're an entrepreneur see that you have to be a natural leader to be an entrepreneur and one of the people that i've looked up to as an entrepreneur is erin albert because of what she's done in education what she's done in pharmacy her background in law. So Erin, this question's for you. What advice would you give to an up-and-coming pharmacy entrepreneur, and even specifically a woman entrepreneur? 
Well, I had a whole class on that when I taught at pharmacy school, so that's hard to answer in two minutes. But it's not hard for me to imagine that you had a <laughs> class for that. I love teaching entrepreneurship, and, and for those of you who precept, thank you for precepting the next generation of pharmacy students, by the way. And ACPE has up, revised their uh, standards, and standard four for pharmacy school accreditation now requires entrepreneurship and leadership and self-awareness as part of the curriculum. So I'm so excited to see that now. I, my hope is more pharmacy schools will embrace our history, actually, when you think about it, back in the day, everybody went to pharmacy school and then went home and ran their own family drugstore, right? And then we pivoted from that. We kind of became employees in a lot of cases. But we're starting to see that pendulum swing back and more independent pharmacists coming online and you know, being stubborn and tenacious and wanting to start their own patient care-centered and focused pharmacy. I think that's exciting and revolutionary, and I would hope that pharmacy schools are embracing that as well. So, um, you know, I think one of the companies, Facebook at one time said, you know, Zuckerberg said, we need to move fast and break things. Now, I don't know if that necessarily would apply really well to healthcare, but I, I like that spirit that, you know, what Amy said, try things, don't be afraid to fail. And I, I think women suffer from this. You know, the P word was brought up earlier, perfection. There is no perfection. Throw it out the window. Embrace ideas and change and try stuff. It's okay to fail. I'm gonna give you guys all a free ticket to fail at something in the next 30 days or next year. Because we're all gonna fail, we learn from our failures. It's a great teacher. Before we open up for questions, I'd like to thank uh, Eden Salter and recognize you as the leader within Women in Pharmacy. I'd also like to recognize uh, Cardinal Health for really putting a huge investment in women in pharmacy and what that means to our healthcare system and the importance of women in pharmacy and women in healthcare. Cardinal Health, helping independent pharmacies successfully grow their pharmacy businesses for over 45 years while advocating stronger relationships with patients for healthier communities throughout the country. We thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast live coverage of the Cardinal Health RBC 2017. Be sure to join us next year for the RBC 2018 in downtown beautiful San Diego, California, June 27th through June 30th.